Well, hey, uh, Rob Ryersey, uh, tucked away in a secret location somewhere outside of Fayetteville, Arkansas, Doug Badgett, Minneapolis, just outside of Minneapolis, actually, right on the, right on the edge today. Uh, love to know where you are, uh, so let us know uh, where you're coming from. Tuesdays, it's politics day, uh, May 2nd. How did you spend your May Day yesterday, Rob? Did you have a, did you have a special May Day? I, I was working, you know, doing the... <laughs> Yeah. Just making As, America great, right? Just that's right. That's part. right. I, mean, I, <laughs> I was working, doing my labor, working on May Day. I mean, I, tr- truthfully, aren't there days when people, for people like you and I, who have jobs like we have, where you work from home, you're self-directed, you're you're trying to make good in the world. There's days where you just think, I, I need to do things today to tell myself I'm working. I'm I'm working hard, right? Like it's it it's an oh. It's like having an internal boss roaming around in your head, just constantly reminding you that, you know, you've got stuff to do. That was, that was my day yesterday too. I'm like, okay, it's May 1st, stuff to do. There's no, there's no, there's no boss. There's no, you know, supervisor. There's nobody punching (laughs) the clock, but inside my head, holy moly. Do you ever get that? Do you, do you get that kind of thing? Or are you? Uh... Yeah, I'm really driven by the uh, to-do list. You know, I've got mm. uh, I've got this great to-do list app. It's called Motion, and mm. it is actually it's driven by artificial intelligence. And you do have what an it does is then. you have an I- we, oh, yeah, I- oh yeah, oh yeah. I have I I've I have gladly uh, embraced our you know future AI overlords, and once again I. I'm sorry, I got distracted by Jim in the chat, who once again is coming in with a dollar ninety nine super chat comment. I, I don't too. even, I don't even know what that means. He said well, that. Well, good last morning, week, Jim from Ventura. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's just, it's just spectacular. Jim with a dollar ninety nine super chat. Um, if they're charging you for every every comment, Jim, you're being overcharged because these are for sure are free. Anybody yeah, watching so, this now, if you go over to YouTube, you too can chat on in. And we'll, yeah. So I have got a uh, I've got this app that um, that schedules my day for me, and uh, I put in the things I need to do, and it what? it shuffles them based on priority and in between meetings. And if I don't get something done, it's not a big deal. It'll just resurface it another time. And it's a uh, for for an enneagram three like me, it, uh, it it's a good app. Huh? Does your AI app? Like know you well enough to know how long it will take you to do things. No, uh, that that kind of stuff. Not really. It's, it's we, haven't, like, we haven't gotten to that point yet. Okay. But I, okay. you remember the movie Her? Yes. Where uh, you know the uh, operating system comes to life and Joaquin Phoenix falls in love with it yes, because it has uh-huh. the voice of Scarlett Johansson. Um, oh, is that why? Hmm. Yeah. That and that voice? I, I really. Really, the only other woman that Vanessa would need to worry about in my life would be your AI Siri. Yeah, basically. (laughs) Well, I I posted this uh, on on a social media thing the other day that my I have an Apple Watch, Mm -hmm. which is connected to my. You know, it's it's like Siri on my wrist. Oh yes, (laughs) I've got I've got an Apple Watch story too. Uh, I don't want to know where you put your Apple Watch, considering your you know, imbalanced relationship with that Siri voice. But Rob, I will say it, I have my, my daily Siri reminder is, has very low expectations of me. Like just happened now. 
stand up. I simply stood up mm -hmm. and it alerted me and said, congratulations, <laughs> you stood up. I, I yeah. apparently, uh, long, long time viewers of this stream and podcast will know, uh, I'm, I work at a standing desk that I lower down to put a chair next to it. So I'm actually sitting. It's, <laughs> it is just horrendous. Um, sitting is the new smoking. And, uh, apparently I'm, you know, going to sit here for an hour. All right, Rob, uh, lots so, of things. Well, listen, let me, let me tell you my amazing Apple, my oh, Apple watch okay. story. Um, you know, my, my Apple watch, it, it has learned my routine wow. and, uh, and so on Wednesday mornings when Vanessa and I go to Susan's, um, which is a restaurant, like I, I, which yes, a restaurant where we have breakfast, wonderful place. Um, I get in the car and on Wednesday mornings and my watch tells me it's 11 minutes to, it'll take you 11 minutes to get to Susan's. Mm -hmm. uh, it will tell me, you know, how long it takes to get to the cigar shop. Uh, Cause it just, it just knows where I'm going. One day I got in the car, Doug, and mm -hmm. it blew my mind. I got in the car, this is last week, and I was going to go to the post office to uh, check up a, a post office box that I have for uh, a little political action committee that I do some work with and, uh, you know, going to see if there's checks in the mailbox. Doug, my Apple Watch said it, like, just automatically said it'll take you 12 minutes to get, it didn't say to the post office, didn't give me the address. It gave me literally the post office box number I was going to. Really? I was shocked. Is it in a reminder, a calendar setting somewhere in there? I yeah. don't think so. I don't think so. I have no idea yeah. how it knew the exact box number I was going yeah. to. It Blew is, my mind. Well, be careful out there with your little Siri friend. Uh, you might, and I yeah. guess I, I'm just falling into the trap. I'm assigning a gender based on the tone of a voice. Mm -hmm. Just let that yeah. remind you about, you know, what we shouldn't be doing uh, with all this. My, mine does the same. And if you're not into Apple Watches, sorry to bore you with this, but mine does the same. Somehow, every once in a while, my watch and my phone will just be like, it'll take you this long to get so-and-so. And I'm like, how in the world did yeah. you know I was going there? So I must have the data in there somewhere. Because or it just recognizes the routine that you do the same thing every Wednesday morning. It knows, okay, it's oh, Wednesday yeah, you morning. Go there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I'm glad yeah. because I'm I'm reaching a stage in life where there's sometimes I walk out to my car, get in my car, and I can't remember where I'm going for a brief moment. Right. <laughs> there are times where I'm like, oh, okay, good. Yeah, that's right. Thank you. That is what, it is Thursday, and that is what I do. I take care of a child on Thursdays. Uh, that's a good. Mm. That's a good reminder. Hey Rob, um, politics this week uh, just mm -hmm. just clicking right along in its regular mm -hmm. old uh, bit of nonsense. Yep. But we're reminded by the fragility of life with uh, with the passing of Gordon Lightfoot. I don't know if you're a Gordon Lightfoot fan, but uh, if you're not, and all of you, if boy, if we could, if if the internet uh, algorithms wouldn't block this feed, if we were to play, if you could read my mind. A song written yeah. and sung by Gordon Lightfoot. It is one of the great contributions to humanity, that song. Yeah. Just so good. And I can't hear it without thinking, what's eating at you, Gordon? And yeah. I've heard him talk about the song. I've never seen him live, but I've watched live performances uh, of him with the song. And he's like, I'm not totally sure what it's about either. But boy, it's a it's a real gift. And um, 
I, I honestly, I mean, I, I, I follow Gordon Lightfoot enough in recent years to know that he was still touring like a year ago. Had I not, I probably would have thought, wow, he's still alive because Gordon Lightfoot's voice has sounded like an old man in my head <laughs> since I was a child. How is this man only, you know, but I guess, you know, he's, I don't know, 28 years older than I am. So he was a 28 year old when I was born. So anyway, that's, that's the thing, but what a, what a cat. You, you have any Gordon Lightfoot stories you want to? Uh, I feel like I was probably born about maybe five, maybe 10 years too late to, uh, you know, have any specific thoughts about Gordon Lightfoot. Um, I'm, it's one of those things that I'm sure I would recognize some of his songs if I heard them, but I could not identify them. Even when you mentioned, you know, if you could read my mind, I was like, oh, that's Gordon Lightfoot. I had no idea. Yeah, well, there you go. This will happen. I know the then. song. I just don't know the guy. Look, look I don't know what, what you use. If it's if it's uh, Apple Music Service or I'm Amazon a, Music, or if guy. you use Joe Rogan's um, uh, outlet, Spotify, um, <laughs> just pull up a Gordon Lightfoot playlist, and you will not today. only be pleasantly surprised, yeah, but you will be like, uh, there is there is someone I wish I'd spent more time with as a uh, as a musical performer. So. Uh, Gordon Lightfoot, and but I remember as a child, mm, I don't know, maybe early teens, late childhood, early teens. The, at that time, it, it, I think in America overall, but certainly where I was, there was a big uh, native movement, like native culture stuff. Right, there were songs yeah. about the Cherokee people, and there was just a yep. you know, this movie Billy Jack that got in my head and sort of corrupted me in good ways, and. Anyway, there was just a lot of like paying attention to reconciling uh, indigenous peoples in the United States. And Gordon Lightfoot had one of those names that sounded like, you know, an indigenous because he's from, he's from Canada. And as a kid, I didn't know what Gordon Lightfoot looked like uh, until I finally saw Gordon Lightfoot. And then it was like, wow, he was, a, he was also a very handsome, very handsome man, but he had the added intrigue to me of of sort of having a name of of the what to me as a kid was the very cool indigenous peoples movements of the of the nineteen of the nineteen seventies. So, and uh, I don't know if you, I don't know if you're comfortable listening to Alec Baldwin, you know the actor. Are you old enough to know who that is? I, I yeah, I do know Alec Baldwin, who's you know currently charged rock. with manslaughter. They drop charges, fortunately, oh. for those of us who enjoy his podcast, and you know, not to diminish the the horror of that. I think that terrible, I think he's uh, being. I, I think there's a civil there's a civil suit happening. There probably is. Yes, I, mm -hmm. I would imagine that the rest of his life this will be something because he fired the gun uh, on a on a set that had a live round in it, which we'll get to some rants about the stupidity of guns overall, but. Gordon Lightfoot has an interview with Alec Baldwin on Alec Baldwin's podcast called Here's the Thing that is just terrific. So if you're out on a walk and you're like, I'm just going to do a little deep dive, you will uh, you will do nothing but good for yourself to get into a little Gordon Lightfoot. So, um, all right. And other people are saying, I recommend Tony Rice singing Gordon Lightfoot. Well, how about that, Phyllis? There's, there's something. Um, <laughs> see, Jim, you are just on it again. Uh, we didn't even put together the phrase you can read if you could read my mind with the comments about the fact that your Siri was telling you uh, what was going on and, and Jim uh, was good enough to say, yes, yeah, Siri could be singing if I could read your mind, which I can in your calendar. 
All right. So, uh, you know, thanks for thankfulness to the Gordon Lightfoot uh, goodness that's all all coming around. But uh, Rob, what do you think about what's happening on this debt ceiling business? I I think I've always thought this debt ceiling thing was just again that's just the way politics are done with two sides when the house is controlled by someone the party different than the White House. But boy, yeah. these people are starting to spook me that they're actually going to come to a point where they're going to default or come up with some shenanigans or shut a government down or do some other ridiculousness that's going to lead to absolutely no good and nothing. Yeah nothing is going to come from it. It's political theater. It's political chicken that they're playing. And it, it shows that the thing that they care about, I would, you know, mostly put this on Republicans. The thing that they care about is scoring political points. They don't care about helping people. They don't care about, the services that people depend on they uh, like i i think there is an honest lack of compassion empathy uh just basic human kindness that has been eliminated by this unwavering commitment to a principle of you know, self-sufficiency and should never be dependent on the government and government spending is wrong all the time, unless yeah. it's the military. And that that has squeezed out any, like, any care or concern mm -hmm. for the practical implications of what this kind of reckless game of political chicken, like... I mean, it, Joe Biden really is in a in a real difficult situation because what's he supposed to do? You know, does he does he kowtow to the 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 fanatics on the on the the right, or does he let the fanatics on the right, you know, mm -hmm. blow the whole thing up? Yeah, I think you're right. And <clears throat> and, and I and and I just one other thing, I think that based on everything that you know we've we've learned about modern monetary theory and a sovereign government issuing currency and how the government is funded and all of that that we have learned from our friend Fadal Kaboob here on this on this podcast i think all of this is it's all a sham mm -hmm. like it's it, it's like they're playing games with something that's not reality Right. It's it, it, which makes it even more maddening that there is there's nothing there's there's nothing here there's no substance here totally. there's a perception here it's like when it's like when the stock market when there's a run on the stock market because there's a perception that something might be happening um, it, it, it's this yeah. whole thing is super Yeah, look, I think we'll talk about this more. I think we'll do a special edition on Thursday to to talk about this. And if people are interested in what how the debt works versus deficit, because this debt ceiling is not the same as the national debt. Okay, so we'll, I know sometimes I get, uh, I get long-winded when I start describing this stuff, but uh, so I won't do that now, but we'll do it on Thursday. So, but I'll just say this. The national debt is the amount of money that federal government has generated in its history of existence 
235, 40 years, less the amount of money that's coming in taxes. The difference in those is what's called the deficit. Okay, that's the, that's the, that's that. This debt ceiling, Congress sets an amount of money that can, that the federal government can take in. And then the Congress sets a budget of the amount of money they're going to spend every year. And the difference in those is created by Congress, by this very same house. And when there's a difference in those amounts, they call that the debt ceiling. So then they have to go get money from other places to pay for the totally separate thing than how much money is in the deficit. So if you're a deficit worrier, the U.S. owes all this money to China. We'll, we'll debunk all that stuff. They don't, we don't owe money to China or anybody else. It's not how it works. But this thing is created on a budget year by budget year problem. Created by Congress. All they have to do is just raise the amount of money. They, they don't even have to borrow it. They could just make the two balance and they don't do it. So it, you're right. It is nothing but theater. And here's what really gets me about this. What they're negotiating now is not previous decisions. It's all right. about unraveling the things Joe Biden set forth as his agenda and was passed by the previous Congress for future spending. So instead of winning elections and then putting forth the agenda of the winners, what McCarthy's trying to do, or McCarthy's trying to do, he's trying to say, we want you to unravel the things that you were allowed to do by winning the election, and mm -hmm. we want to use this temporary debt ceiling as the leverage to do it. It's just the worst way to think about how we're going to um, set priorities in this country. So it's just yeah. totally broken. I think Biden is not going to flinch. I think they're going to say they're going to find a workaround, right, which is mm -hmm. some kind of temporary. Some, and then they're going to say we will negotiate on some of these other spending priorities, mostly because the spending priorities that the Republicans want to negotiate on literally are a decade away. It's how much money will be spent over the next 10 years on things. So there's no problem negotiating that now because when Republicans lose the House in a year and a half in the 2024 election, they'll just roll back and, and fix the problem that they're going to unravel now for eight, nine, and 10 years down the road. So it's, to your point, it's totally useless and ridiculous. And if they shut the government down again and put people who depend on the government, both people who receive services, but also people who are employees, the federal government is the largest employer in the United States. Mm -hmm. And more people depend on federal government paychecks in order to run their own lives. And if you're any employer and you can't pay your people, know this really well, and you can't pay your people, you normally feel horrible about that and do everything you can to get to the point where you can pay them. Instead, these Republicans are saying, we're going to actually cause the, the reason for us not paying these people uh, ourselves. It's just utter madness. Hey, and what do you think about it, this? That Janet Yelton comes out and says, "Hey, we've we've been running the numbers, and uh, after tax day that happened the other day, and people put you know paid us, and then we had to send people back tax refunds. We didn't take in as much money as we thought we were going to, so we can't make it till July. We can only probably make it till June first, or maybe June fourth, or you know, somewhere in there. Like, hey, 2017 tax cut. How did that go then? Remember when this same group of people were in charge of Congress, in charge of the House, and they made that huge tax cut because it was just going to make all the economy go so great. 
just they're wrong about all the things that they're in charge of these Republicans. And that's that's only a slight overstatement uh, that, that it's all of the things. There, there's probably something that's important that they're not wrong about. I just can't think of what it is uh, <laughs> currently, but there probably is something. Anything more on uh, this nah. ridiculousness that we're doing no, this it's again? Just super frustrating. Super and, frustrating. And in the meantime, you know, old Speaker of the House running around uh, out of the country. Joe Biden's going to Asia like next week. Like people are just kicking along, doing their other thing, and they're going to negotiate this over the phone. And somehow something's going to be given to unbelievably Matt Gates or Marjorie Taylor Green. Like these are the people who are going to get things out of this negotiation. Yep. This little group of wackadoodles who do absolutely nothing or no bills, Jim Jordan, who has zero, zero bills that he has sponsored that have ever been passed as a lawmaker. He's horrible at it, but instead he will get to leverage and get what he wants because he can't seem to do it by passing a bill yeah. Which is what lawmakers are uh, are supposed to do. It's just it's just really just just wacky, uh, just just unbelievably silly bits. Uh, hey, um, the this week every year I get I get to have a little rant about the <laughs> correspondence dinner, this big gala that all the reporters and all the TV personalities go to a huge ballroom and have a big dinner. And this year, Roy Wood Jr., who's a comedian, was the uh, was the MC. I don't even know Roy Wood Jr. Do you know him as a comedian? Yeah, I've realized, wow, I need to be funnier. I don't even know who the comedians are that they that they pull in for this because they often pull in very, you know, high profile, high profile people. Um, and I saw a few clips of them. He seems like a very funny man. So maybe now I have a new, a new comedic uh, uh, you know channel to follow. Yeah. Great bit about Clarence Thomas. <laughs> he called Clarence Thomas an NFT. <laughs> it was it was great. I mean, just like okay, if you're going to have a correspondence dinner, that's the kind of humor that's 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 great, right? A Supreme Court justice and an NFT wrapped together in a joke upon a joke is just you know, perfect. But the idea that this happens that sometimes we like to refer to in this country, you know, as the uh, that the that the press is is some form of the government, right? One of the the fourth rail or whatever the fourth, the fourth the branch. Thank you, fourth branch of the government. But look, what we want is an adversarial relationship between the press and the government. That's what you want. Now, adversarial doesn't mean that you're always arguing, but it does mean that you have different interests. That one side is a set of interests that are different than another side. We need our press to be able to lean into, press on the government to tell things they don't want to tell and to tell the population things that you otherwise wouldn't know if the press wasn't on the job, right? That's what you want out of the press. And every time they get together and have one of these, we're all in the same club meetings with the president and the leaders of Congress and the media people all sitting, all dressed up. And I've listened to these political podcasts where they talk about the outfits people are wearing and being all fancy pants and having a big dinner and laughing. And ah, we're all in this. Like that, that is just to me far too cozy. 
Like let each of you have your own little annual party. But this thing, like pull the press all in, cheer them on, rub their backs, tell them they're great. It is just bad for democracy. And, and I can't stand it. And I just wish politicians and legitimate press people would say, you know what? I actually don't need to eat a $96 meal served to me at a table and get dressed up in a fancy outfit. I can put that together myself or go to a family member's wedding if I need that. It is just all plays into the insider Washington nonsense that goes on. And so every year, Somewhere around April, I just become this cogity old man yelling at my TV, telling the kids to get off my grass because I can't stand that they do this and they do it every year. And they stand up and tell these silly little jokes and have joke writers and like the comedy show, the variety show at the end of the week of summer camp that they pull off every year here just <laughs> makes me nuts uh, and and. And yes, of course, I'm just bitter that I've never been invited. Of course, I just check my mailbox and my email box and just wait on that on that invitation. That's all this is. I'm just really wanting to, not at all. Uh, first of all, not press, not anywhere near that level of of uh, significance to the uh, to the common good of of our of our democracy. But the people who are, they shouldn't be in that room. And they should all come out every time this thing happens and tell the rest of us, hey, I'm not going because this is ridiculous. This is the cozy kind of relationship that um, that, that just shouldn't exist between uh, 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 the freedom of the press to be an adversarial relationship with, the, with our government at the state, local, and federal level. It's, that's, that's, that's how it should be. Do you, do you have, do you have any opinions about this or can I, am, am I a man well, just I, ranting, I, ranting, ranting I have alone? A and, I have a follow-up question for you. Um, so if I hear you correctly, what you're saying, Doug, is that you're not a fan of the White House Correspondents' <laughs> Dinner? I just, I just want to make sure I'm clear on that. It's, it's not the dinner itself. I, I have no, <laughs> okay. I have no, I have no okay. problems with people having a meal. No problems with the like, you know, rubbery chicken and yeah, you know, or you know, did you get the steak? Or did you and, get the you know. totally? And that's the other thing. What kind of quality meal is this? And then the worst part of it, Rob. Thanks for 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 re rewinding my little uh, you know wind up toy. <laughs> then they have after after parties. Not only is this the thing, but then they do an after party after it where they're also cozying up. And God, it just gets me. Look, and, and I am not I'm not generally complaining about the media and the media doesn't do its job. I actually think we have a tremendous industry of press and media in the United States. It's not always saying the things I wish it would say, it should say more, it could do more, but on the whole, it's pretty incredible. And it's built around this like insider knowledge thing and certain people are tied in. And look, I get it. People are working the same world and they fall in love with each other. So there's people who are in the press who are married to somebody who works in an administration or works for a congressperson and it gets complicated and all the rest of that. But when it does, you should tell the rest of us, hey, there might be a little conflict of interest here. And... Don't have your big annual party that you brag about to the rest of us while you all sit in a room and huck it up while the rest of us are like, hey, is there going to be, <laughs> is, is there a problem coming? Because this is the kind of thing that makes an, an average person feel like maybe the press isn't doing its, isn't doing its job. Mm. My, uh, 
my favorite thing that I have heard the White House Correspondents' Dinner be called, uh, nickname for it, is uh, Nerd Prom. (laughs) (laughs) All right. See, and if it it was just nerdiness, right, that what we're dealing with here is just, oh, look at all the nerds having their little thing. You know, it's it's Comic-Con of political uh, reporting, right? And people are like... But but that's not the thing. These are these, like you're talking about the president of the United States, the leaders of the Senate, the uh, the 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 most powerful political operators in the world, presidential candidates. By the way, I yeah. saw I saw your cat there. Uh, you know, old, old Asa Hutchinson finally got himself invited to the correspondence dinner. So it's people running for president, current president, and then it's people running the largest media groups. <laughs> like they're not. They, yes, they are nerds in one sense, but it's not like it's not school newspaper nerds. Like, oh, you didn't get to come to the real prom, <laughs> so you went to this one. These are the people. Like, no, we run this shit. We we run the yeah. whole deal. This is where. Yeah. That's what uh, gets me about it. And then they're all like, oh, 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 "Did you hear that joke, boy? That was a great one." Like, no, oh. you know what? I didn't hear that joke because we're out here working like crazy. <laughs> Trying to make a light. Uh, here I go. Here I go. Here I go. And, and the White House Correspondents' Dinner is what gave us Donald Trump as president. Totally. Well, we're going to get to because two things that, in, today that led in, to Donald Trump. In, that we need to was, be it, of. was it 2015? Was it 2014 or 2015? I don't, I don't remember which one it was. Yeah, I think it was but, 15. But he, but Donald Trump attended the White House Correspondents' Dinner, and Barack Obama made fun of him and picked on him, and you know, and everybody was laughing except Donald Trump, and yeah. at that that was the moment he decided he was going to run for president. Yeah, he was not going to be. But here's the point: in 2015, what is Donald Trump doing <laughs> at a meeting with the president and the press? Right. This is what I'm getting at. This is the thing. And, and look, Ma- Marilyn, thanks for your th- thanks for your comment. I'm not saying we don't need the press. I'm saying we need the press to do the press thing. And by cozying up at an annual dinner, it's not the way Third we time. should appreciate the press. If we want to appreciate the press, I don't know, like subscribe to their newspapers or their, like there's a lot of ways to do this that's not did you get an invitation to the correspondence dinner are you an insider that gets to go eat meals and rub shoulders and get dressed up and be all fancy because you know this isn't teacher appreciation week by god if there was a teacher appreciation week where teachers could go have a dinner with the president that would be great in fact the president should go to 50 states and have a teacher appreciation dinner that's what they should do. You know how I feel about this, Rob? I feel about this when I'm when I'm boarding an airplane with Delta mm. Airlines. And yeah. Delta Airlines yeah. says, hey, if you need a little extra time getting on the aircraft, you know, this is for you. M- maybe you've got a lot to carry. Maybe your body doesn't work so great. I love it. It's so great. Do you need a little extra time? The rest of us will wait. Take your time. Fabulous. Followed by... And if you're an active member of the of the military service, you also get to get on now. Okay, active members of the military, do they really need to get on airplanes earlier? W- why is that? 
You know who doesn't get to get on the airplanes earlier? Hey, are you a person that's caring for an elderly parent at home and you're kind of exhausted and you're flying home from that or you're flying to do that? Do you need a little break here? We'd like for you to get on early. Hey, are you a school teacher that cares for 28 children because we refuse to fund <laughs> education in a way that's going to allow you to get on? No, you stand in the back and wait while we let the 22-year-old recruit Get on the plane. Why do in we peak preference physical condition? The military people to get on an airplane earlier. What's the wink and not? This is the stuff that just like I'm not saying we shouldn't thank our military. We do every time we make an auto deposit and pay their bills and do their stuff, and we should thank them and they should have an award and all that for people that volunteered for the service. But other people also do good things, and that's what gets me about this. Okay, that that's so. We're, I'm, I'm going to see if I, mean, I can keep spinning. No, no, yeah, no. You're going to keep trying to wind me up. It's not, it's not easy on a day like, not hard on a day like today, Rob. It's, it just um, really gets me. I, did you see the news that Bernie Sanders has announced that he's not going to run for president in 2024 and has in fact endorsed Joe Biden? I did. I did see that. Yeah. He's, well, and in, in fact uh, said, I will do everything I can to be sure that he's reelected. And what do you, great. what are your thoughts about the things that Bernie Sanders has done? I think when, he, talk, when he references like, everything. Should he give, should, should he give a, should he give an apology every time he says that for what he didn't do in 2016? For sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, because the, the Trump Bernie bros is what caused all that stuff to happen for sure. But, uh, glad to see it. Welcome aboard. <laughs> uh, and if you ever want to join the democratic party, Bernie, I'm sure they would have you. Uh, so keep, keep up the, keep up the good work there, pal. Do you have any um, thoughts about Bono you know I love, though? and you two beginning? Oh, you know a, what my favorite a, is, Rob? Um, mm -hmm. uh, Bernie Sanders' signature bill, the bill that he has advocated for, pushed through Congress, and got passed to benefit the American people. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, no one knows which one I'm talking about. <laughs> there isn't one. So again, I don't mind so, people being pundits. I don't mind people moving the, the needle. I don't mind people advocating for positions. That's absolutely 100% what we should do. But if you're a lawmaker, you should make laws. If you're a lawmaker, you should make laws that benefit people. If I you're a White like House the, correspondent, you, you should correspond go, from the White House. You should just correspond and not be uh, rubbing shoulders. So I'm just saying... I Amazing. prefer the lawmakers to make laws and the press to be in an adversarial relationship with us. You know who doesn't go to yes, the correspondence? Adversarial, though, adversarial, but adversarial, but not acrimonious. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's like our legal system. Our legal system mm -hmm. is designed to be adversarial. <clears throat> I have a friend who's a lawyer and I've gone to him on a couple of lawyerly things. Um, you know, personal and business things mm -hmm. and said, Hey, do you think we need to like engage the law on this thing? And, and, uh, my attorney will say, yeah, again, the legal system is designed to be adversarial, meaning you're going to have one mm -hmm. position on one side, another mm -hmm. position on the other, and you're going to negotiate that one's going to get what they want and the other one's not, or you're both going to get something not of what you want. That's If you want to work this out another way, give them a call, talk about it, negotiate it yourself. You don't have to be adversarial, but as soon as you file that legal uh, mm -hmm. Uh, process, you are by definition now, I have your back and I'm not concerned about what they get. That's designed that way. That's the way parts of our system are designed. The press and the media is that way. But you know who I do respect for not going to the correspondence dinner? Bernie Sanders. He doesn't go. He's like, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not going. Because the guy knows 
what's going on because the guy's got his finger on the pulse off in his own because you know there's concerns as we all do uh, as a spin class the other day and the guy made me put my hand on my he said check check your pulse there you doing all right you gonna fall off that thing uh all right correspondence oh, dinner goodbye wow. a gripe about you in a year um, oh, fantastic. Just, just utterly ridiculous. Uh, hey, speaking in the midst of utterly of, ridiculous. Of another horrible tragedy where a citizen killed other citizens in this country with weapons in a moment of fleeting rage. This horrible story from outside of Houston where a neighbor shot and killed five members of a family of the people living next door to him and now is on the run. At the same time, elected representative Lauren Boebert was having a rally uh, at a little place, a little fundraiser, holding up a shirt with an AR-15 on it that says, since we're redefining everything, this is a cordless hole puncher. An AR-15 is a hole puncher. A T-shirt that she's standing next to. Now, I don't know if she made the shirt or if the man gave her the shirt. There's a very odd-looking fella with multiple pairs of sunglasses standing next to her and something in his pocket. Maybe he gave her the shirt. I don't know. But she's holding it up with a proud smile on her face. There, There is no world, in Rob, where an elected lawmaker should be making jokes about how an AR-15 style rifle makes holes because it's designed to make holes in people. That's what it does. And Lauren Boebert has no sensibility or no empathy for the many people for whom an AR-15 is not a symbol of their constitutional right to bear arms, but rather is a tool in which has inflicted holes in children and adults across the country. It's just in such bad taste. Now, did she do it intentionally because she knew that something was going to happen that same day in Houston? Probably not. But here's the thing. On any day in America, you can't mm. hold up that shirt because it's possible Dare I say likely that someone will put a hole in another human being with that very weapon. It is just, this is the cult of guns in this country. And we layer on top of that. Um, You're absolutely right on the critique of the really tactless and inappropriate joke um, about the AR-15 being a cordless hole puncher. Uh, also, the like here we're also going to take it take this opportunity to um, you know slap down the trans and non-binary community as well. You know, like that's the other th- since we're redefining everything. You know, this is oh, a, I see. Mm-hmm. A, you know like it's just it continue to wow marginalize dehumanize, make fun of people in our community, in our society, in our country who, uh, I barely have words. It's so infuriating. There's 10 words. I love what you're saying. There's 10 words on this shirt. 
It reads, since we're redefining everything, this is a cordless hole puncher. Ten words. I was most bothered by the last three words, cordless hole puncher. You were rightly bothered by the first three words, since we're redefining everything, to mock the idea that we have to make some fresh definitions of how we understand one another. That's also something that is to be just trivialized and thrown away. It's 10 words, six of which are personally and politically offensive. Yeah. It's simply, well, I should say to people with at least our sensibilities, it's offensive. I'm, I'm guessing there are people who thought that's, those are 10 great words, oh, 10 yeah. just spectacular words. And, and look, and Marilyn makes a really good point here too, that the governor of Texas for whom he was announcing that he was giving $50,000 from some fund that he has control of to uh, help the manhunt for the murderer who killed his family in Texas with an AR-15, by the way, in response to a conversation about an AR-15, as it turns out. So in this case, it really was about the gun. Mm -hmm. That the governor of Texas noted the immigration status of the victims. That's a curious thing that he would bring up the immigration status for which is the fault of our federal government. The fact that people mm. can't immigrate to the Legally. United States mm -hmm. and have documentation, mm -hmm. that's not their fault. No, <laughs> right? No, I mean, it's, it's the incompetent bureaucracy in Washington DC's fault. And frankly, uh, since we're on this, Breaking news on Fox News, they, foxnews.com, they've learned that the president is um, consider, seriously considering sending troops to the southern border uh, as Title 42 expires, uh, which is a just really not the right plan, but beyond. But well, if I mean, Joe what Greg Biden sends troops to the United States border, I am going to have a press correspondence dinner like reaction to, to that that is so unbelievably appropriate here we go call um, your president and tell him not to continue the militarization of the border that yeah. is so, not what is needed at the yeah. border yeah so here here's the story the the biden administration is considering whether to send 15 100 active U duty U.S. troops to the southern border in the coming days amid concerns that tens of thousands of migrants will surge into the country once Title 42 is lifted. U.S. soldiers okay. would come from Iraq. I'm going to have an aneurysm about this, bro, Rob. Okay, here's the thing. People want to talk about these uh, refugee seekers and immigrants as if they're lawbreakers. Why does lifting Title 42 which is just mm. a protocol by which the government <laughs> can choose to respond yes. to people and setting How, aside previous yes. protocols. You How see where I'm going with this? Like it's the force field that's keeping people out. Yes. Yeah. So what you're saying is, oh, there's tens of thousands of people who've said, hey, if, the, if I don't have access to the United States because of new ways that you can use to keep me out in light of the COVID-19 pandemic, that's Title 42, meaning that the people at the border can say, we don't have to deal with you right now. We have an emergency going on and we have a Title 42 declaration of emergency. So we don't have to deal with you right now. So you have to come back later. 
they've waited two and a half years. And then when it gets lifted, they're like, okay, now we can come. You know what that sounds like to me? People who are following the rules. Mm-hmm. So when you hear people say to you, oh, these people are going to overrun us, and they, they could have over the same people could have crossed any given day. They're literally, Rob, waiting until you, it's yes. legal to do right. it. You it's, caused the traffic jam at the southern border, metaphorically, and now you're complaining about it. But and then I you're mean, lifting the traffic jam, and then you're saying, well, and the, the people are going to be lawless. We have to send the military in to support them. Look, if you didn't hire enough people to care for our southern border and the number of people who need to come in, yeah. because we're more than two million migrants short in the United States to have a proper functioning economy. Yeah. We need millions more like we've had in previous years to be part of the economic system of the United States. And if you weren't prepared for that, you don't send the military in to do it. Yeah. Look, I want Joe Biden to be the next president. He's the duly elected president now, by the way, in case anyone was wondering our opinion on that. And I want him to be the next duly elected president of the United States. But this is not the way to be the president. Right. Right. Yeah. And so I, I, a little side rant there, but I mean, jumping back to Greg Abbott, which is, you know, the reason Greg Abbott, I think, uh, mentioned the immigration status of the victims in the shooting, I think is to play into the dehumanization that exists of, of, Mm. of immigrants in our country Mm-hmm. and to downplay the significance of the loss of life. I think that yes. there are some there are some people who will say, um, well, well, you know, they were here illegally. They, you know, uh, they, they got what was coming to them. Mess with the bull, get and, them horn kind of nonsense. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's a reminder of every time, you know, so... Uh, I saw a headline too related to George Floyd. If George Floyd passed a counterfeit $20 bill in that corner store, as some people have alleged, the punishment for passing a counterfeit $20 bill is not death. Right. Right? That's not the punishment for it. Like, just just because, like, if, if, um, you know, if, if someone's, you know, running through a neighborhood and, you know, stops to look at home construction and trespasses, mm-hmm. the punishment for trespass for trespassing is not death. And, you know, there's too many people who think, well, you know, they'll just willing to yeah. escalate it up to the very top. And I think Greg Abbott is playing into that with these comments by trying to dehumanize these folks, totally. trying to downplay the significance of their death. Ah, these are deaths we shouldn't, like, who really yeah. cares? Like, you know, they're illegal immigrants. They're not right. real people. They're not real yeah, Americans. Totally, totally. To put any title on people, especially illegal immigrants, like that's not even grammatically correct. It's just a mm. slur. Yes. You're not illegal. It's not illegal to be an immigrant. You can't be an illegal immigrant. You can be in the country with legal documentation or legal permission or not, but doesn't make you one, right? Mm-hmm. It'd be like saying someone's an illegal driver. You're not an illegal driver. You might not have legal authorization to drive, 
But that's not the way you describe a person. You're describing a behavior. If you need to meet with your therapist or you need to meet with your counselor, you need to meet with your clergy person to help you understand the difference between what you do and who you are, Governor Abbott, that would be really good work. You should do that work because you're having a difficult time, apparently, or anybody who uses the term illegal immigrant or illegals. That's not how we describe people. Like we should across the board. And we have this habit of doing it to your point, because that's how you dehumanize people, right? You put any title on them to say that is the person, as opposed to it's a person who has this particular circumstance. You say it is that that's the point of it. It is absolutely yeah. to say it's not about the guns. It's about the status of people. Then they put out an apology, a clarification yesterday mm -hmm. that said, oh, as it turns out, one of the five people who were murdered in Texas was a person with U.S. citizenship. We apologize, they said, for any miscommunication. So they didn't walk back that it's inappropriate to refer to victims of murder by their legal status, which is something not in their control. They wanted to clarify one of the people was someone. They misidentified. Yeah. <laughs> we, we didn't mean to insult you. Our like slur was only intended for four of the five. Yes. Incredible. <sighs> but this, see, and this is just what's in the, this is the thing. It's not even noticed by people. Right. Right. It's yes. just it is used. so commonplace. Yes. It's just it's just part of the part of the fabric of, of the whole thing. And look, yeah. we there are no bills in front of Congress now. There are no bills in front of any state legislature currently that would solve for any of the murders that have happened this year that you've known about. The public ones that have been in the news. Not this one this week, not the one in Louisville, not the one in uh, Ohio, Nashville. none of them. Nashville, none of the laws, not the red flag laws, not the uh, uh, background checks, none of that stuff. So we should pass all those bills. We have to remember, those will not solve the problem that we all want, which is children not being killed in schools, people not being killed at work, people not being killed at country music festivals, Congress people not being shot. Old people not shooting old people, old people shooting young people, young people shooting old people, people shooting people. It's not going to be solved. The problem is we have a culture of guns in the United States. And until we deal with that, we, this has become the 1930s, Rob, when the gangs were running the streets. And yeah. one of the responses was to get rid of what was called the Tommy gun or the machine gun. Right. There was a time, think about the old movies when gangsters literally had machine guns. And then we said as people of this country, you can't have those anymore. They create too much damage. Automatic weapons. Now we're going to argue about AR-15s. Something that yeah. a machine gun couldn't have imagined creating this kind of havoc. It's just, and by the way, the Second Amendment doesn't say you have the right to carry a gun. It says you have the right to bear arms. If you interpret bear arms as carrying a gun or carrying a certain kind of gun or carrying a certain kind of gun, 
You can make that interpretation and say that amendment applies to this, but that is an interpretive act that the Supreme Court has interpreted in particular ways. But it's not the same thing. So if if you're in a conversation with someone and you're supporting Second Amendment gun access and you say the Second Amendment says I can carry a gun, it doesn't. The Second Amendment says you can bear arms and the government shall not infringe upon that right. Now, who the you is, whether that's well, a, well, yes. not, but whether it's a militia or an individual, on neither count does it say you can carry a gun. So if you want to be a legalist about what the Constitution says, my rights that are defined, it's interpreted to mean you can carry arms that are in the shape of a pistol or an AR-15. You can't carry one that's an automatic weapon. If you saw a bowling for column, you can't carry a rocket launcher. That's an arm. Like if you're an arms dealer, you're selling rocket launchers, but you can't carry a rocket launcher that's that's loaded with an RPG in it, right? So no, you can't just bear all arms. So if you're going to interpret the Second Amendment to mean guns, just know you're doing an interpretive dance. Fair yeah. enough. That's what we should do. But it's not because the Constitution allows it. It's because the Supreme Court in 2008 and 2010 allowed it. Mm-hmm. Yes. The Supreme Court used to not allow it. So what we're dealing with here is the interpretation of a right. And if that right means that people are going to die because you like the interpretation of the government and you want to be a constant... Now, if you don't want to be a constitutionalist, fair enough. But if anybody brings up to you, the Constitution says, is my constitutional right, it's helpful for a brief moment to say, actually, it says bear arms, not carry guns. Yep, for sure. Now, Doug, I have two minutes left before I have to run today. As you do, do we as have your the video? going to tell you. Yes. Um, do no, we have, we no have the video of Donald no. Trump mocking Lindsey Graham? No, but we uh, have a picture of the video of uh, Donald Trump mocking, uh, mocking Lindsey Graham. By the way, Donald Trump is uh, running for president, by the way. Why do we talk about him here? Not because he lives rent-free in our heads. He might, but that's not why. It's because he wants to be president of the United States again, and he's a total clown show. Yeah. I, what did he say in this uh, in this little? This is a, apparently a fundraising speech open. that he gave in Florida, and I, I don't have the whole context. This video, which I encourage people to uh, to find and, and watch, it's from MSNBC. Trump mocks progressive Lindsey Graham during fundraiser speech. Um, it is a video of of Donald Trump calling Lindsey Graham a progressive, uh, which is hilarious. Yeah, interspersed with. Uh, Lindsey Graham on Fox News begging people to send Donald Trump money. <laughs> I mean, it's really, it's, it's really great. It's really stunning. It's really stunning. Well, the civil war inside the Republican Party continues. Donald Trump continues to whittle away this, the base on which he stands into now the teeniest little, you know, two-footed. Yeah. Why uh, he's taking shots at Lindsey Graham is beyond me. I, I don't understand that. The man is uh, not well. By the way, he's also caught up in a, a real civil lawsuit that's going to get him in yeah. all kinds of financial trouble. And uh, yes. he has other other court cases that are coming down the pike. Um, yep. And he still could be the Republican nominee uh, for president of the United States on the ballot in 2024. It's just simply, simply stunning. Well, thanks all for uh, kicking around with us on this fine yeah. Tuesday, Rob. We're going to get you out of here right, right, right on time because we don't want your uh, your watch or your phone yelling at you about that. So, all hey, right. we'll be back tomorrow. We have a, a faith day. You're going to want to be around for that. 
That's uh, 10 a.m. on the Central Times zones. So those of you that, that uh, know, we have different you know different times each day because each day is its own special day. So uh, find us if you're not over on YouTube yet. Find us over there. That's our favorite place for you to find us and us to find you. All right. And go to votecommongood.com and sign up for all of our stuff so we can email you four times a week. All right, good. Rob, anything else? Great. Thanks, no, Mike. Thanks, fun, Jim. Uh, Thanks, Debbie. Doug um, Grant Day. All right. See y'all. Bye.